Welcome to this week's podcast. It's episode 70. Do you know that? Seven zero episodes. And we're still friends. I know. It's a miracle. So this week I wanted to share something that it comes from a poem that I've read on stage before that everyone credits to the wrong person and it's the total reverse of last week's podcast. I thought I'd just throw it out there to the <laughs> universe. So last week I was talking about not being it, it was okay to be busy it was okay to not be busy and it was okay to be quiet. Yeah. And this week I want to go the total reverse which is give up on playing small. So Marianne Williamson wrote a poem, Our Deepest Fear, Not That We Are Inadequate, Our Deepest Fear, That We Are Powerful Beyond Measure. Which always gets attributed to Bruce Lee. No, Nelson Mandela. But oh, I've seen it done to Bruce okay. Lee as well, so there you go. But her greatest line in the poem is, You playing small does not serve the world, and there's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people around you feel the same. So for me, and we have breaks in between our podcasts, and then Neil and I talk off camera, and it's always interesting, some of our best learning comes from there. So it's going to seem like it's a plug, but it's not. So I've been working with my new animal trainers. And one of the things that I've been asked to do is a lot more work, to do much more work for people all over the world. But I haven't wanted to go big on it. And I realise that I've been playing small when, in theory, the world needs a much better communication tool. There are some great tools out there, and the feedback I've had from my animal model is amazing. And so there are reasons why we play small and there's reasons why we don't want to go large. And some of it is self-doubt, self-respect, uh, this lack of clarity. How do I do it? Who do I reach out to? And I'm curious, even at the level that I'm at, after 20 years of speaking, I'm not gunning to go worldwide domination on my communication program. And it's because I'm playing small. Mm -hmm. That, you know, I've got a very good market in the UK and last week, we had a guy come over from Lithuania, and I'm pleased to say we've got a guy in South Africa who's now about to take a license. But there's 220 countries that we could be licensing it to. There are 7.2 billion people that we could be putting it out to. And I'm very excited that about 2 million have heard. So I'm a little bit short of my number. Yep. Now, I've shared in the past that, you know, you need to have a goal, which has a beginning and an end. You need to have a vision, which is huge. You don't know how you're going to get there, but you could. Then you need to have a mission. But it's interesting that with all my experience and the goal-setting books that I've written and everything else, that occasionally we play small because there's a little inner voice that says, who would buy it? Who do you think you are? Yep. And so it's interesting that even reading Marion Williamson's poem on stage, and I have done so many times, I've fallen into the trap of playing small. And I'm thinking that if I'm doing this, some of our listeners must be doing it. And I'm curious what people are thinking when they have this grandiose idea. That's the wrong word. Grandy. Yeah, it's close enough. Big idea. Phenomenal yeah. idea. That the minute we put that out to the universe, before it's even gone out to the universe, we nearly are getting in our own way. And so there were two parts to this. It's, you know, why are we playing small and why do we get in our own way? And occasionally I think we become our own competition. So there are other communication programs out there, but you're never going to know about mine because I won't even put it out there properly. Um, I'm playing small because I don't think the world's ready. I think the world is ready. Uh, with all the conflicts in the world, if we learned to communicate, we'd be in a much better place. Absolutely. 
So what can I do? What can all of you listeners do to not play small and get out of your own way and realise that you are the competition? Mm. You are stopping your dreams becoming a reality. You are stopping your life being the life that you deserve. You are stopping you becoming a phenomenal person. Now, it's okay to be where you are. And it's okay not to be busy. But if you have an idea and you have a plan, recognise that sometimes we get in our own way. And if you were to write down your negative self-talk and all the things that you've said to yourself in the last week, and then in the next column, how that's played out for you. Yep. So my negative self-talk sometimes is, you know, who am I to write down a communications programme for the world? Will anybody buy my program? And what the transparent, the transparency, the outcome of that is, I don't put the program out there. The outcome is other people put the program out there. Other people then start saying, we went on this great course and then I beat myself up because I could have done it. Yep. So this is not just about negative self-talk. This is about the cost of your negative self-talk and what it equates to in your business. And then if you had positive self-talk and you did something about it, what would that equate in your life? So it's a very big exercise for all our listeners. I'm going to be doing it again this week because I realise I am playing small. There's mm-hmm. a big confession. It's, um, it's interesting. There's a, an exercise I did for the first time in 2014, okay, um, early 2014. And it was an exercise that um, – took about 30 days to do, and it was like a guided, do this on day one, do this on day two, do this on day three. And one of the things that was in this particular program is it was basically think everything through to the end in terms of what's the worst that could happen. So all the things that you're not doing because you're afraid of something, explore those things you're afraid of, and what's the very worst thing that could happen, okay? Um, I share this not so much to go into the detail of how the program worked, but more... It was shortly after finishing it that I decided I didn't want to be an employee anymore, even though I'd known I didn't want to be an employee for a long time. And that doesn't mean that I wasn't a good employee, and it doesn't mean that I hadn't had a whole bunch of success. I mean, you know, my final um, role as an employee, I was running offices in multiple countries. I was flying around a while. I, I, I had what looked to a lot of people like a really good lifestyle, but I'd stopped enjoying it. And I knew inside of me there was something I wanted to do for myself that I kept holding myself back from because what if I fail? You know, and I was earning a lot of money. And what if I don't get to earn that money again? And and all those kinds of beliefs were going around in my head. And I went through this activity and kind of, okay, well, what if I, you know, what if I fail? What if I don't make the money? What if, and I got through all these what ifs and, and it even got to the, well, you know, what if I can't afford to pay for the, you know, the bills and the mortgage? And what if I end up homeless? And what, and I went through all these what ifs. And at the end of it, it was like, well, actually, that's not that bad. Compared to where I was, yeah, it was, it could be considered catastrophic, but it also wasn't that bad. You know, no one was going to die. You know, it was going to be a journey. It was going to be an adventure. And so I took the decision in 2014 um, that I was going to do something different and I was going to go off and do my own thing. Has that whole journey gone to plan? Hell no. Have there been challenges along the way? Most definitely. Have there been things where, you know, it's gone better than I expected? Yes. Have there been things where it's gone worse than I expected? Yes. 
Are there things where I could be playing a much bigger game without a doubt? What holds me back? Um, slightly vulnerable moment here, but what holds me back? Fear of rejection. Fear of not feeling like I'm good enough. Fear of, you know, being pushed into the corner and ignored and, you know... Have we spoken about flops on this podcast? Not sure. So we all have a flop, which is a fundamental life operating principle. Mm -hmm. And so for you, your flop is, I'm not lovable, no one will buy me, you know, that rejection point. Yeah, it is pretty much. I mean, I've spent a lot of time working on myself over the last, more than a decade, but last decade especially, and probably last five or six years, even more, you know, intensely than I did at the beginning of that last decade. And um, in some of the work that I've done in looking at myself and getting really honest with myself and going deeper and deeper on who I am, um, I, I know that most of the deepest kind of fears in my life come down to I'm not good enough. So that's that, it. That's the, so you know, that in, flop, in one phrase. That's yeah, so it. That flop holds you back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I was very privileged to do a training about 20 or nearly 30 years ago where we had something called the reverse of that, which was called getting your personal contract. Mm-hmm. And that's where you write a statement about yourself. And I now do it with some of my commercial clients where you have to write a statement about yourself, which must contain self esteem self-respect and Mm self-worth now what's bizarre about that your contract wouldn't be the opposite of your flop so it wouldn't be i am good enough i'll take that back it might be i i know for sure that's not yours by the way yep and i do it with a number of chief executive groups where they have to trust me immensely because they are standing in front of anything between nine and 30 people yep with a flip chart yep and they have to stand up there, vulnerable, and write their statement, I am something. Yep. And there are often times where it's not their contract, and they beg me to have that as their contract, and I say, that's not who you are. And you get to see it for a millisecond that when you operate at your core essence, when I'll repeat that, when you, uh, when you act and you work and you are at your core essence, you become something else. Yep. And those are the times you become magical. Yep. I'm not going to share mine at the moment. We may do it in week 27, 38, 98, whatever. But when I operate from my contract, I'm unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Now, I started this by saying, why do we get in our own way? Mm-hmm. What's the fear of playing small? And I'm not operating from my contract. When I operate from my contract, I can be on stage in front of 300 oncologists who are much more qualified than I am, and I don't feel small because having left school before I was 16, my flop is I'm not educated enough. Mm -hmm. So I'm often talking to audiences who, in theory, have got not only O-levels, A-levels, a degree, sometimes a master's, a doctorate, and more than one, and there's this little boy talking on stage, and by far, I'm not as educated as I am. But when I operate for my contract, I am unstoppable. Now, that might be a contract for some people. This is not mine. But I'm asking everyone who's listening to this week's podcast, why are you getting in your own way? What is it you'd love to achieve? And on the back of my very first business card I had printed, if I absolutely knew I couldn't fail, what would I go for? Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful question. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not saying I play football for England. I'm now 57. It's unlikely I'm going to be doing that. But I could be involved in coaching. And I did coach my son's under-12s football team. But there are things that I could achieve, I could do. And even though last week I said it's okay not to be busy, when I'm on fire, when I'm on point, I'm unstoppable. And I just need to get in the zone Mm -hmm. and get out of my own way. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing, Neil? to get out of your own way, to stop playing small, and how do we support you? Because as we've said before, you have to do it by yourself. And you can't you can do, do anything alone. alone. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we're almost up to time on this episode, but, and that's not me ducking that question. We'll pick it, it up. Was. No, it's not actually. We'll pick it up in the next one. <laughs> um, but, you know, very often, just to throw this one out there, very often people will talk about, well, there's certain things that I can't do anymore because of my age, right? Um maybe can't do in the way that they thought, but there's a guy called Dr. Charles Zookster. Okay. Go Google him, look him up, whatever. I'm not sure how old he actually was at the time. I can't remember the exact details, but he decided to take up bodybuilding as a pensioner and he became a world champion. They became the world champion for his age class. So he wasn't, you know, he was never going to compete with people who were, you know, 20% of his age. But he became the world champion for his age class. And very often when I hear people say, you know, well, I could never do this sporting thing. doesn't mean you couldn't do it. It just means you couldn't do it in the classification you thought you were going to do it in. You know, could you still play football for England? Maybe in a senior division or something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So there would be categories within which stuff could be done. Even though you're not over 60, I, I see where you're coming from, you know. Um... And that's, that's the point I want to make there is very often our limitations are in our own mind because we're not being open-minded enough about where we need to go with some stuff. Um, well, so, let's pick that up on next week. Yeah, let's pick it up next week. And actually, I've got an acronym for that. We'll, we'll I'm go sure there. you we'll do. We'll go there. Your best shit, it starts right here.